Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, Sasha here with another interview for the Sovereign Collective Podcast. I haven't done one for a little while and I'm super stoked to bring you some new information. Hold on to your hats. I think some of your paradigms around health and what you need to do to stay healthy might be questioned, challenged, crushed in this interview and in a series of interviews that I'm actually doing with Morley Robbins of the Root Cause Protocol over the next three, uh, well, three interviews that we have booked coming up here. So we're going to be talking about Morley's work of Root Cause Protocol, and we're going to be focusing on copper. And Morley Robbins is an author. He is an educator. He is a dedicated researcher. This is his book for those of you that are watching on YouTube or whatever platform. This is his book, Cure Your Fatigue. You'll notice that the CU of Cure is in the periodic table form of for copper. And we're going to be getting down into why this mineral that nobody talks about, nobody's talking about it, not in this way, um, why it is so crucial and why you might want to start looking down the path of copper. So Morley is an amazing man who is aware. I love bringing guests on who know, first of all, who know what's going on in this world. They're questioning and they're knowing they got this awareness around go, about around what's going on. But also I love his come from in, I don't know if I'm going to say it in the same way, but Morley really looks to treating the host, ignoring the guest that might be invading, shall we say. But let's, and this really speaks to me because that's always what I've prefer to. The body takes care of itself. We are a self-healing organism. And when there's things that are whack, they're out of whack for a reason. And if we can bring balance back in, then much of what's going on is going to resolve itself. Right. So there's that that he talks about. And what else does I want to talk about with him as well? Oh, it's also a whole picture project. So we're going to be talking about nutrients, but Morley really also talks about how important it is to resolve their emotional issues, resolve the traumas, look at the lifestyle, look at the dietary factors. It's really a whole picture project, so much, so much of which resonates with what I believe in and what I'm doing, but now he's really stretched my mind and now I'm pivoting in a few areas of my life, which I really love. I love when people come and challenge what I think I know and then it makes sense. And I'm like, okay, drop that, let's go in this direction. So Morley, thank you so much for being here with me today. I look so forward to getting into what you have to share. And let's talk a little bit about your, because you didn't you didn't start off this way. You didn't start off mm -hmm. questioning, you know, the general health consensus out there. You were quite deep into it for a long time. So let's talk about you. Good. Well, thank you for uh, the opportunity. Delighted to be here. Love that phrase, whole picture project. I think that's a that's a keeper. So I'm going to borrow that liberally. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't, I, I wasn't exactly born into this work. 
um, you know, it's funny. I knew was as a little kid, I was about five years old. I knew I was here for a reason. I just didn't know what it was. And it only took me about 55 years to figure it out. <laughs> uh, and so um, I'm 70 for the one. How old is this guy? What's his name? Mm-hmm. And um, I have more energy today than I did when I was 50. So I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I've got bumps and grinds, but for the most part, I'm symptom free. I, I bang my toe into a um, a tree. I mean, um, thing you you hang your hats on, whatever that's called. Bang my toe. I think I broke my toe this morning. <laughs> it hurts like a son no. of a bitch. But I'm fine. I'm otherwise I'm great. And what brought me into this world was two very sickly parents. My mom was an alcoholic. My dad was a manic depressive with schizophrenic tendencies. That's a tough combination. And um, I was in and out of hospitals a lot as a little kid. And my sister became a nurse. She was four years older. She's no longer with us. She's in a much better place, I think. Mm. And I was supposed to become a doctor, you know, take care of the family. (laughs) Until I got to college, I went, oh my gosh, this is not easy. And so I I did the, the only sane thing you can do is I just stopped going to class. (laughs) <laughs> that was a lot easier and you know I still applied to medical school but only 18 medical schools said no <laughs> so I decided if I can't go to medical school I'll go to business school because if you can't be a doctor you'll become a hospital administrator and boss them around and I did that for 12 years that was kind of fun and then I decided to become a consultant trust me it's easier to be a consultant before you become a hospital executive so I spent 20 years on the road uh, in metal tubes flying all over the country. Uh, I, I actually came up to um, to your homeland, not not Calgary, but um, to, Toronto. Mm-hmm. And this was after Bill Clinton had passed NAFTA. Ah. <laughs> and I remember getting to the airport. I was at O'Hare and, and the, the uh Ticket agent said, well, where's your passport? I said, you don't need one. It's NAFTA. It's just, it's right. easy. She goes, I think you're going to need your passport when you get to, to Canada. I'm like, really? And by the grace of God, I'd had a copy of my passport and I had it um, faxed to the Toronto customs office or wherever it was, wherever I was going. I get to Toronto. Oh my God, the shakedown, the interrogation, the five hundred dollar fine. Wow, really? Wow. Wow. So that's one of my lasting impressions of Canada. Was like, wow. Right, and now <laughs> it's to, much, much better. better. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I beat up my body during those twenty years, and I developed frozen shoulder from pulling a suitcase behind my back and. I went to a health food store and said, what have you got for a frozen shoulder? They told me to go see Dr. Liz. And I went, wait, I don't do witchcraft. I'm a, I'm an allopathic guy. And long story short, Dr. Liz is now my wife and she ah. healed me of my, my um, frozen shoulder by fixing the pterygoid muscle from the inside by putting pressure on it. It was probably the most, one of the most painful, second most painful experience of my life. But as she did it, my arm lifted and it was a miracle. And she used a phrase, she started talking about the innate healer. And I looked at her and I didn't say anything at the time. I thought, if there's an innate healer, 
Why do we have millions of doctors around the world? I did That didn't make sense to me. So the book that you were handing up, thank you for doing that, is just a culmination of, of about 12 years of research that defines who the innate healer is. It's copper. It's not, it's not 17 minerals. It's not 27 vitamins and minerals. It's, it's one mineral that's MIA. And we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, we're going to talk about the, the minerals that relate to it, like iodine and magnesium and you know, iron and things like that. But what's missing is this catalytic master in the body. And um, I'm humbled every day by people who thank me. uh, I'm I'm just uh, in awe of how people respond to it. I've got a film producer who's on fire now, wants to do a film about copper. Oh, wow. Just got off the phone with a guy who's a... He's now recently retired, but he was fairly proficient in sales. And he said, you know, I feel like Spider-Man now. You, you've you ignited something in me. And he wants to help me sell this idea. And, you know, and then I do podcasts like this, which are so inspiring because people get, they get excited because they, because they realize that the bottom line is we've been lied to. Yes. And, and what this conversation will help people do is it'll begin to pull back the curtain and you gotta spell the, the word right c-u hyphen r-t-a-r yeah. pull back the curtain so we can find out how the body really works it knows exactly what to do it really does there's a, there is a blueprint and what we're going to find out is that the color blue relates to copper there are all sorts of parts of our body that are literally blue inside and that's because copper is there so there is a blueprint, but the key is the blueprint requires energy. Well, they forgot to tell us that our mitochondria that provide the energy are blue on the inside it's because they've got so much copper. And so it's just this layers and layers and layers of disinformation, misinformation, missing information. And when you begin to tease it out, there's an, oh my God moment, like, oh, wow, there really is, there is an answer to all these problems. And then I just say, I'm really surprised that we're not hearing this because other than the microbiome being a major area of research in say the last 10 years, I would think mitochondrial health, metabolic diseases, all this stuff, that's a really huge, huge, like the keto thing, it's a huge area, but no, but I've never once, somebody talk about the importance of copper in that whole picture and that like without that you can never achieve the no you can't you you don't you don't hear um what's his name uh up at harvard david uh, sinclair you don't hear david sinclair talking about copper you don't you don't hear tom blanking on his name at uh, boston college tom s selick something like that Mm -hmm. he's a mitochondrial expert he never talks about copper uh, Nasha Winters, I just happened to see her at a conference recently down in Orlando. And as I'm walking in the exhibit hall, she screams out, Morley, you and I have to talk right now. <laughs> like, okay. And, <laughs> and I've known Nasha over the years, but she's now she's turned on. She's a mitochondrial expert. And she said, I think you're right about this copper thing. I'm like, okay, well, it's not me. It's, it's mother nature. So people are waking up to it. Uh, there's a there's a really recognized authority on the microbiome, Martha Carlin. She's an absolute genius. She lives down in, in Kentucky. 
And she has a product called Sugar Shift, which turns uh, fructose, which is a really bad of really bad sugar, as you probably know, turns it turns it into um, a, a much more acceptable byproduct. And um, it's um, mannitol, mannitol sugar. It's a sugar alcohol, and it's it just completely transforms the microbiome. She didn't know about copper. She she ended up taking my course, and she's just like, this is amazing. And so she's able to understand now there are certain bacteria that are our friends. Well, they need copper. There's certain bacteria that are not our friends. Well, they're running on iron. Yeah. And so we've got this copper-iron conflict. So I think the world is, is slowly waking up. But I don't think it's waking up fast enough. And my concern, and we talked about this the other day, is I, I really think there's a, a window that's closing on humanity. And I think it's a. I think it's real. I mean, I'm not trying to be draconian or melodramatic. I I think that you know we're three years out from from COVID, but I think there's going to be another shooty drop, and we, who knows when that's going to happen or what it's going to be. But it's going oh, to be starting different. already. Starting yeah. already. Right. And it's just you know, is it saber rattling or is it real? I don't know. But it's but the the tragedy is people are living in a state of fear. And you got to spell fear properly. Like we sp I spell cure differently. Well, fear is spelled F-E hyphen A-R. Mm -hmm. So we've got cure, copper runs everything. That's what cure stands for. Copper runs everything. And fear, iron activates rust. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that when you go into a state of fear, you're triggering stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. And, and there's a, a wonderful article that goes into Zaman Pira 2019. And it's about how uh, fear creates hypoxia in the cell and cancer in the human. And it goes into excruciating detail about how adrenaline drives iron into the tissue and cortisol locks up copper. Well, you don't want, when you're in a stress situation, you want to respond to stress. And the way we respond to stress is with energy. The best definition I've ever heard of what stress is by Mark Hyman at Cleveland Clinic. Stress is the body's inability to make energy for the mind to respond to its environment. And I think he nailed it with that. I think it's one of the most powerful um, statements that you could have ever said. But where has humanity been for the last three years? In a state of fear. 100%. With hypoxia, not making energy. And we're, we're seeing the, the byproduct of all that. Yeah. And so what this conversation, this series of conversations is going to do is begin to uh, reveal how the body really works, reveal that there is an energy uh, blueprint and that there that the body has uh, the natural ability to heal itself. I, I found an article today about a dozen different, what are called neuropeptides. Another word for those would be called hormones, but they're basically signaling molecules. These are a dozen different ones. No one's ever heard of any of them. And 
what are they what are they designed to do? To kill pathogens. Every one of them is either killing a bacteria or a fungus or a virus. And here's the catch. Most people don't know what neuropeptides are. Most practitioners don't know what neuropeptides are. But what they what nobody knows is that they've got to be activated. They've all got to be activated. And there's one enzyme that activates them. It's called the PAM enzyme. And PAM stands for peptidoglycine, alpha-amidating, monooxygenase. That's a lot of letters. And that enzyme turns on signaling molecules. And they've all got to be turned on the same way. And so, in essence, our body is run by cell phones. They work when they're when they're turned on, just like our cell phone works. And basically what we've got is a network of cell phones that aren't turned on. Mm. And so then there's utter chaos inside our body. Mm -hmm. And so how many people do you know personally that are on hormone replacement therapy? I'm sure it's quite a few. Well, or just hormonally confused. Just for yes, for a long time. And yes. Right. And it's because their cell phones aren't working because right. copper's missing in their body. And I wish, I really wish it was more complicated than that, but it's not. And it's, we just, we live in this era where we think all the answers are supposed to be complicated and they're not. The answers, in fact, when it comes to, to what we're going to be discussing are for the most part, simple, painfully simple. And our maker and mother nature figured this out a long time ago. And about a century ago, some would argue it was longer than that, but I think a convenient time frame is about 100 years ago, humanity got hijacked. And we've never been the same since. Right. So, right. That, yeah, that's, that's, there's that's no money. money in the cure. There's no money in the cure. Exactly. And, and so, you know, people... They're like, I'm sure they're scratching their head right now saying, well, come on, it's got me more complicated than that. And, and so I've got behind me a, a picture. You can see the poster. It's a beautiful poster of Egyptian healing. What you can't see is there's a whole series of onks that surround the yeah. image. Mm -hmm. And what you may not know is what are onks made out of? Well, they're made out of copper. You would have thought they were made out of gold, right? But the Egyptians apparently were really into copper. And I have that diagram or that image behind me because there's a, there is a hierarchy. And I'm absolutely convinced that copper is at the top of the heap. And if copper goes off, everything goes off. And it really has a downstream effect that very few people uh, understand because very few people think that copper is safe to take. Most people think it's a toxin. And it's anything but. And and if and if if we were Satan, that's exactly what we'd want people thinking: is that copper is a toxin, and we need more iron. It's like oh my we're God. living living in that world. We're live we're literally living in 1984, where hate is love, and up is down, and black that's is right. white. Like literally, people do 180 degrees difference of what you're being recommended to do. And people are, they've been taught. So we've been, we've been taught to be afraid of iodine. We've been taught to be afraid of copper. We've been told, like you said, to supplement with iron, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's pervasive and it runs deep. And I think people have a hard time shifting 
Well, so yeah, you got to rewire. They've got to rewire their mind. Right. And they have to be willing. A lot of people aren't willing, as we have learned, that people aren't willing to adjust their worldview and yeah. and, and they've got to be they've got to be curious. Got to be curious. Got to yeah. be curious. And the people who need to be the most curious are the practitioners, and I find them to be brain dead. <laughs> oh yeah, even that has been very much revealed in the past yeah. few years. Yeah. So copper. Okay, so what what's going on with copper? Why is it so important? Why hasn't anybody heard about it? What what's going on there? Well, again, the, the meme that runs the planet is you're anemic and you're copper toxic. And it's just the minute you bring up copper to someone like that, they'll say, well, I, whoa, whoa, I, I don't want to I don't want to become toxic. And um, the, the irony is every facet of iron metabolism is copper dependent. You can't make heme without copper, you can't make iron sulfur clusters without copper, you can't make hemoglobin. You can't make a red blood cell. You can't regulate a red blood cell. You can't energize a red blood cell before it loses its nucleus. Um, the, the 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 dynamics that copper runs throughout the body is amazing. And so everyone keys on this concept of copper toxicity. And so what people don't know is what's the distribution of copper in the body? It's important to know that there's a difference so that there's about 100 milligrams of copper in the ideal human adult body. And so 47% is found in the bone marrow where the red, red blood cells are made. And what people have to appreciate is that every second of every day, you and I have been talking now for about 20 minutes, every second of every day, so 20 times 60 times 2.5 million Every second, we have to make 2.5 million new red blood cells. And in the course of 24 hours, we have to make 2 trillion red blood cells. That's a lot of red blood cells. And so the, the catch, though, is it only takes 25 milligrams of iron, which is a little tiny bit. But 24 of the 25 come from a recycling program run by copper. Thank you very much. Down in the bone marrow. So we've got bone marrow is this big concentration of copper. 27% are in our muscles because they've got to make energy, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't make energy without copper. So we got 47% bone marrow, 27% muscles, 25% distributed through the organs. And the organs that are the most dependent on copper are liver, heart, and brain. And then we have a 1% distribution of copper in the blood, 1%. And 95% of that 1% is supposed to be complexed in a protein that no one's ever heard of called ceruloplasmin. That, that word appears about a thousand times in that book that you read. <laughs> Picture trying to narrate that book and you begin to slur the word ceruloplasm. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the engineer said, you got to say it over. And I said, look, this is my book. I'll say it any way I want. He said, no, you say it right. Or yeah. I'm going to stop working right now. So I had to learn how to say that word very carefully. But the protein ceruloplasmin appears on one question on every medical board around the planet. And once the doctor successfully answers it, they forget about it. Mm -hmm. And so cerulo means sky blue 
There literally is a protein in our blood that's the color of the sky. <clears throat> plasmin, it's found in the plasma. Thank you very much. And plasma is what the red blood cells swim in. It's also called serum, but spell serum like the sea, S-E-A-R-U-M. Then you get it. Oh, it's seawater that our red blood cells are swimming in. And that's really what's supposed to be going on. But this 1% sample of copper in ceruloplasmin, for the most part, is exposed to toxins like ascorbic acid, like excess glucose, like antibiotics, like citric acid. I could go on for an hour naming substances that, that are known to blow up the ceruloplasmin protein to make sure people have an order of magnitude. Insulin, which is a hormone that people have heard of, has, has about 45 amino acids. It's pretty big. It's pretty, you know, it's good size. Ceruloplasmin, 1,066. Mm. So it's 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 a beast. And this beast of a protein has eight coppers inside it. Most proteins don't have metals inside them. And so it's basically like a tank with eight soldiers inside running it. And it has this capacity to adapt to the environment and express different enzyme functions. So it's basically a transformer. Think of, think of it as a transformer. Oh, you, you, you want a tricycle? I can do that. You want a bike? You want a motorcycle? You want a sports car? You want a seaplane? And this protein can twist and turn and morph itself into whatever is needed given the situation, except when it's exposed to these substances like tyrosinase inhibitors, which are prevalent in the food system because food manufacturers are worried about shelf life, not human life. So they're obsessed with shelf life and they put in these toxins to, to blow up copper enzymes. And like what are some of those? What are some of those tyrosinase inhibitors? What do we know? That's a great question. I don't know the names of them. I just okay. know that they are they are some of the most studied and most used chemicals in food processing. Right. Okay. And, and when you get into it, your toes are going to curl because <laughs> tyrosinase is a an incredibly important enzyme in our body, copper dependent. But <clears throat> out of sight, out of mind. If I don't know about ceruloplasmin, then I won't worry about it. No, actually, you should be worried about it. And you should do a blood test to find out where your copper status is and where your ceruloplasmin status is and what the ratio is between them, because that will tell you loads about the viability of your immune system and how well you can respond to uh, environmental threat. So, and that, and we'll get into, into that as we have these conversations. But I think it's important for people to know that, that there is a genius molecule in our body, in our blood, and it, it is <clears throat> readily made by our liver. And when it's fully loaded with copper, it can last six days. That's a long time. If the copper is missing, as it is in most people's body, the protein only lasts six hours. Mm. Well, there's a big difference between six hours and six days. 
And so it's incredibly inefficient for our body to make the ceruloplasmin protein in its empty form, but that's happening all day long in people's body because they don't know how important copper is to their diet. And that's what these conversations will get to is help people realize that we've been horribly misled and copper is not a toxin. I would call it the, the Achilles heel that runs the body. It's a very critical part of our immune system, our metabolic system, our mitochondrial system, our microbiome system. Nobody knows about it. And and when it's missing, a lot of things come to a grinding halt. And so if somebody, can I just ask, if somebody is yeah. being told the copper toxic, what is being measured? How are they, where's the, the evidence that there's copper toxicity in their body? <clears throat> First of all, that's, that's a great question. Um, let's go to the source of the phrase. It comes by way of uh, a researcher um, who, he was a PhD and an MD who became a psychiatrist. Um, but he also became a member of the MK Ultra mind program at the CIA. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, so when I find out facts like that, then I begin to discount the credibility of the, of the um, information. And so he wrote a very important article in the 1960s about ceruloplasmin, and that under certain conditions, the coppers can come un, can become unbound from ceruloplasmin. And that was the way it was worded in the original article, copper unbound from ceruloplasmin. Well, then that morphed into unbound copper. Then that became toxic copper. Yeah. And, and that took a period of years for it, for it to unfold. But, but the important thing is there is no unbound copper in the human body. That's absolute urban legend. And it's been disproven by a number of, of copper experts, but the most notable is Svetlana Lutsenko at Johns Hopkins Medical Center down in Baltimore. And <clears throat> she's measured the amount of, quote, unbound copper in the cell and it's 0 0.2101. It's called zeptomolar. It's so insignificant, we shouldn't even be talking about it. What happens, though, is that when the copper comes out of ceruloplasmin, it gets gobbled up by one of three proteins. It's either going to get gobbled up by a transport protein called transcuprine, it's going to get gobbled up by an amino acid called histidine, or it's going to get gobbled up by a protein called albumin. There is no unbound copper. It's part of the legend of, oh, you're iron, you're iron anemic and you're copper toxic. Let's create that, keep that image alive. And the copper is not as effective when it's attached to albumin or histidine as it is when it's in ceruloplasmin. And what <clears throat> the research has been working overtime to prove since this protein was discovered, 1948 was when it was first written about, 
they've been bending over backwards for decades to prove that this unbound copper causes heart disease, causes cancer, don't you know? And they've created these, these arcane environmental situations that are completely um, synthetic. And they put the spotlight on copper to say, see, there's the problem, completely ignoring the sea of iron around it. As soon as copper is not <clears throat> bound in its proper proteins, it can't regulate iron. And that's the most important dynamic to understand is that we have, on average, 50 times more iron in our body than we have copper. Well, according to uh, traditional Chinese medicine, copper is the general and iron is the foot soldier. You don't need to be in the military to know that generals are more important than foot soldiers, than the grunts. And generals have a lot of brass on their shoulder, right? What's brass made out of? 88% copper. And so if you were generals, actually by law here in the States, there's 242 generals. By law, there's 440,000 grunts. Wow, that's a big difference. But in the human body, it's it's one to 50. And people don't know that. They don't know they have raging levels of iron that need to be regulated. And so they've been led to believe that copper is causing all the problems. And it would be like blaming all the generals for, for losing the war. It's like, I think there may be more to the story. And so um, people need to understand that there is a genius to our body, that there is an elegant game plan, but it depends on generals, not foot soldiers. And so... The, the mystique of unbound copper shows up in a blood test. The copper ideally should be about 100, 100 milligrams per deciliter. Wow. And that's U.S. units. I'm not sure what it would be in, in uh, international units. Forgive me. Um, but 100 is a good number. Ceruloplasmin should be around 30. And that 30, you'll you get a kick out of that. The, the number 30 came by way of preeminent research done by copper experts here in the States in Bell Laboratories in upstate New York. Why was AT&T studying human copper proteins? I would love to find that out. Yeah. And, it's, and there's a whole 16-part series of research that they did up at Bell Labs in upstate New York. Hmm. And it's wonderful research, impeccable science, but done by a phone company. It's like, okay. So, so that's just part of the, the psychodrama of copper. But the but what's important is to rate get the ratio of 100 to 30. It's 3.33. Right. And it's easily measured in a blood test. It's not easily ordered in Canada, I might add that. Mm -hmm. It seems that the farther west you go from Toronto, the more challenging any real testing gets. I don't know whether you've witnessed that oh. in, in your neck of the woods. But it's but it's a it's a it's like it's an uphill climb the farther west you go. And what you'll find is that most people have a ratio above 3.33. It's going to be in the fours, sometimes fives, might be as high as six or seven. 
And that's when people have raging inflammation in their body. They might have cancer or something like that. Um, and all inflammation means is they don't have efficient energy production. So if if a I think you're a biochemist by training. Chemistry is my chemistry. Okay. All right. Not my training, but yeah, it's my degree. If your biochemistry prof was here and we asked him to spell the word inflammation, he would use shorthand. He would spell it H2O2. Mm. And that's inflammation mm. inside the mitochondria. And it turns out that the object of the mitochondria is to turn oxygen, O2, into two molecules of water, 2H2O. So O2 becomes 2H2O. Well, it's a two-stroke engine inside the mitochondria. The first stroke creates hydrogen peroxide. But the downstroke is the most important, which is to turn the hydrogen peroxide into two molecules of water. Right. It takes more copper to do that. And if it's missing, then you end up with hydrogen peroxide building and energy production is falling. And that's, that's the relationship. And so what the elevated ratio tells us is there's inefficiency in the energy production, there isn't bioavailability in the copper, and both of those can be corrected. Now, if the ratio is below 3.33, it means they don't have enough copper in their diet. Yeah. That's, that's, that's easily rectified. And so with one, one simple blood test, focusing just on one ratio, we can tell a lot about where that person's overall metabolic system is. And, and so, so to be clear, the people, when you're saying bioavailable copper, you mean it is bound in the ceruloplasmin. It's absolutely. not bound out otherwise, right? So people- exactly. That's exactly right. And it's, again, copper needs to be complexed with its enzymes. And there are many enzymes in the body that require copper, but the, the, the one that's most important would be that ceruloplasmin. And so a blood test is done, copper looks high, the practitioner says, oh, you're toxic. Or a hair test is done. A lot of practitioners use a hair test. And copper looks, it looks elevated. Mm. But, but the question that's never asked on a hair test is, why is it elevated? What, what have you been exposed to in the last six months? Have you taken antibiotics? Have you taken hormone replacement therapy? Have you been exposed to um, high doses of ascorbic acid and so on and so forth? And all of those agents, and, and many like them, will blow up ceruloplasmin, cause the copper to leak out. And the hair test, a lot of people don't know this, the, the metals on the hair test, there's copper and zinc, iron and manganese are the, are the big four that they measure. Well, the first thing they do with a hair test is take the hair sample and they chop it up I've been to the lab. I've watched them do it. They cut it up into little tiny pieces and then they burn it. Mm -hmm. They oxidize it. Well, what does the burning process do? It freezes the oxidation state of the metal. Well, zinc only has a plus two state. So zinc will always show up as zinc is. Copper has at least two oxidation states. Some say it's three. Iron has six. Manganese has five. But all we're seeing is plus two, plus two zinc, plus two copper, plus two iron, and plus two manganese. So we're getting a distorted view of the metals in a hair test. And I'm a huge 
proponent and fan of the hair test, but I know not to take it too seriously, especially around the metals. And so the key is it's um, a lot of the misunderstanding is around the training of these practitioners. They've not been taught the nuance of copper metabolism. They've not been taught about how the ceruloplasmin protein can respond to its environment. And so it's it's in large part a misunderstanding that's been perpetuated in mythical training. Right. And I think so that there's that book, I can't remember, it's all about iron toxicity and stuff. And I think what people under so there's a couple of things that really first of all, when we talk about energy production, you have a, a number in this book about which really puts it into perspective because we're I think we hear so many things over and over again that we don't really pay attention. It's like, yeah, we of course we need to produce ATP and that's our energy. But when yeah. you say that we make our weight in ATP yeah. every day and that every heartbeat requires one billion ATP. Right. Those are significant numbers. I don't think people, I think after a while, people just stop hearing that. It's like, yeah, ATP, no. energy. So how important is the cerule, what's happening to our energy production if we don't got the bound copper in the ceruloplasmin? That's a great question. So <clears throat> ceruloplasmin has many functions. Some authors say it could be as many as 20 different functions. The one that's most overlooked is ceruloplasmin is a supply line for copper. It has eight coppers inside it, running it. That's the number that was established back in the 40s. And it was that way for 30 years. Then suddenly it became seven coppers for 30 years. And now we're living in an era of six coppers. How does that change? Nobody knows. I've I've talked to a handful of copper experts and said, how did that number change? And they, they say, I don't know. And so they'll tell you, oh, it's better testing. I'm like, eh, I don't think I'm buying that. So the number of coppers inside the protein is changing. We don't know why or how, but let's just take it at face value. But the ceruloplasmin protein can carry another 10 coppers in its structure. Oh. And so so it becomes this supply line. And that was first um, theorized back in the 1970s. And people criticized that. But more recently, it was in 2017, uh, Zach Baker, uh, actually, I think it was at um, University of Calgary was where it was reaffirmed that, that ceruloplasmin is a critical supply line for copper. And that what every mitochondria needs is... 50,000 atoms of copper. Again, we're back into big numbers again. People are like, it's just, it's like bouncing off their brain now. But it's it's a big number because there's 40 quadrillion mitochondria in our body. Well, that's, that's 40 followed by 15 zeros. So that's a, a lot of copper, or it's a lot of mitochondria times 50,000. And we're, it magically, it magically happens to be the, um, the amount of copper that we need to run the body. And so it's just a, a very little known fact. And the, um, the, the body loses access to copper under stress. Mm. That's the key is that under acute stress, we lose magnesium and the B vitamins. They go right into the toilet. It's the way Mother Nature designed us. And under chronic stress, 
like post-2020, uh, cortisol flexes its muscle. It increases a metal protein called metallothionine fivefold. That's a big jump. Mm -hmm. So there's this enormous increase in metallothionine, and metallothionine binds up copper a thousand times stronger than it binds up zinc. Again, we're into the into the realm of big numbers. You probably know someone who's twice as strong as you. You might know someone who's three times as strong as you. We can't relate to a thousand times stronger. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's beyond our human comprehension. But inside our body, there's a difference between how the body tries to bind up copper versus zinc because it knows how important the copper is and it takes it offline. And basically what the body is saying, Sasha, you don't seem to be able to handle your stress. So I'm going to take you offline. That's what the body's really saying. Yeah. It's not being, it's not being demonic. It's being, it's, it's being, being self-protective saying, you don't seem to be able to handle this. So I'm just going to start to winnow yeah. you off the, off right. the grid. I think in your book, you, okay, so this is one of these paradigm busters people that we're talking about. I think if I remember correctly, you're saying that zinc also increases metallothionine. Does it not? Just the consumption yes, zinc? What is everybody supplementing with these days? And I have a question around this because right. I have supplemented with zinc over the years because I get white spots on my nails when I don't supplement with zinc. <laughs> and then when I supplement with zinc, they go away. So now- I'm not supplementing with zinc and I haven't for a while, but now I am supplementing with copper and I'm going to see if that stops those white spots from appearing. But I think you also say that that also increases in the telothionine, which is then binding the copper. Is that right? Am I getting that right? You're okay. remembering it right. What is causing the zinc to appear deficient is too much iron in your body. And iron will flex its muscles and overwhelm zinc. And then zinc doesn't get, it's like in a, in a family, the older siblings are really tough on the younger siblings. Well, that's iron versus zinc. And so I think you'll be pleasantly surprised as people start to do this protocol, what they find is that their zinc rises naturally as the body begins to regulate iron better because the copper is more bioavailable. Okay, so that's that what I'm able to see. This is one of my experiments that I'm currently conducting on myself yeah. right now because, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, and th th what's good for people to do is picture multiple seesaws in relation to each other. And these minerals are, are reacting to each other. Uh, here's an example. A lot of people worry about their vitamin D status. Another paradigm buster, people. Okay. <laughs> and so they're they're told that they're vitamin D deficient. And they're told that taking a synthetic supplement is going to be good for them, when in fact it's not. But here's the let's pull the curtain back and let's find out what's really going on. When you have low copper in your diet, which would be just about everyone in North America, pretty much anyone in the world, but but let's just focus on North America, since we're kindred souls here. And um, when copper's low in the diet, iron accumulates in the liver. This is a known biological fact that's been studied extensively, but it was first recorded 
here in the States uh, in 1928, in March at the University of Wisconsin uh, in Madison, and in May of 1928 at the University of Kentucky in Louisville. And they fed uh, rodents, a copper deficient diet, and lo and behold, their spleens filled up with, with iron. And what's more significant their spleens, the did you say? Their spleens did. Their liver, their liver. Their liver, okay. Liver. Um, and the animals became anemic. Aha. Uh -huh. that's, that's an important clue because low iron in the blood does not mean low iron in the body. It usually means high iron in the body. But got low copper in the diet, high iron in the liver. And when the liver begins to fill up with iron, it's very hard on the magnesium that's needed to run the enzymes that the liver is responsible for. One of those enzymes, there's like 500 enzymes that, that the liver runs, but one of them that's very important is the enzyme 25-hydroxylase. And that's the enzyme that makes the storage form of vitamin D. And so you have a, you have a storage form and an active form. Most people don't know that there's more than one form. Most doctors don't know there's more than one form. Mm -hmm. And the form that your doctor is always testing is your storage form. And it has zero relevance to the active form because it's the active form that runs the immune system. And that requires vitamin A and a whole bunch of other things. But, but the storage form starts to go low when there isn't magnesium around. And you can drink a bucket full of vitamin D and you're not going to correct the iron overload in the liver. And that's where the mistakes are made because the public and the practitioners don't understand these interlocking seesaws. They don't know that that low copper is causing that high iron is causing the magnesium loss is causing vitamin D to look low or actually be low in large part because magnesium is lost to oxidative stress fueled by rising iron in the liver. And that is one of the most important principles for people to know is that as we age, our copper is dropping in our body. And as we age, our iron is rising. And the word aging is just a euphemism for iron accumulation. Every symptom of aging, 100% of the symptoms of aging, relate to iron accumulation. Eyes get weaker, mm -hmm. hair gets thinner, skin gets wrinklier, we don't have as much energy, our digestion changes. All of it is iron accumulating. Joints, joint, like joints, a big one, cardiovascular health, like all of Absolutely, all, all of it, it. all of it. Heart disease, neurodegeneration, cancer, you name it. Cancer is just iron on steroids. And people right, and one thing it. I want to, I would, I want, I would like to address maybe, I don't know if it's going to be now or later, but what I love what you say and somebody else that I love following also refers to this, there actually is no disease. Right. 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 Like that's a really important thing because we are a bit, have been taught to fear sickness and disease and this and that, but really there's deficiency, there's trauma, there's poison, but like, what do you mean by that when you said that there is no disease? Hold up the book again. 
And what's the title? Cure Your Fatigue. So there's 30,000 symptoms laid out in the Merck Manual. Every one of them begins with cellular energy deficiency. And that's that's the genius of Dr. Wallace at um, UPenn here in the States. Um, he's the guy that figured out where the mitochondrial DNA flow from, flows from mom. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he, he's a very smart guy, but, but he specializes in energy deficiency caused by mitochondrial dysfunction, caused by a lack of copper, ding, ding, ding. And so people need to understand that once the energy production begins to wobble, it's going to create downstream symptoms. And what do we do when we go to the doctor? We take in our bag of symptoms and we empty them on the desk. And the doctor looks at it, goes to their manual, starts flipping pages and says, oh, you have XYZ syndrome. And then that gets tattooed across our forehead. And because we're human, we're very gullible. And we believe that that I have XYZ syndrome. I can slice and dice every condition in the Merck manual and get you back to energy deficiency, which means there was a conflict turning oxygen into water, usually because of too much iron in the tissue. And I just found an amazing article. Um, Every time I hear you speak, you you just find a new article. Like it's always, it's constant. This is an article du jour. It's by a famous copper researcher named Myra Fields. And in this study, they're looking at copper deficiency and dietary fructose. That's a polite way of saying poison. And the use of a iron chelator. And what Dr. Fields does, she she was a preeminent copper researcher at uh, USDA, Department of Agriculture here in the States. And for 20 years, she published amazing articles about what the real problem was, which is we don't have enough copper. She was one of the first to really start blowing the whistle on high fructose corn syrup. It is metabolic poison. It's absolutely daunting what it does inside the body. But what she did in that particular study from 1991 was they used this iron chelator, this fluoxamine, it's a well-used iron chelator, usually because of iron accumulation in the liver, right? And they found they were able to reverse all these diseases by taking iron out of the liver because that's what was that was this wheelhouse of where the problem was. And so they they still had copper deficient rodents still eating fructose, which is horrible, but they were able to pull the iron out. They didn't have they didn't have the disease. They didn't have the hypercholesterolemia. They didn't have the hyperuricemia. That's high cholesterol, high uric acid. You know all the, the what what happens in a in a rodent who's copper deficient being fed fructose. What happens is the, the apex of the heart blows up. And they die. Wow. Yeah, there's a wow. And there's a there's a specific reason for that. But the point is, they know exactly what it is. And as you said, it's not a disease. It's nutrient deficiencies that are affecting energy production 
we'll call it metabolic dysfunction. We're not making energy, right? And that creates symptoms that get labeled disease. There is no disease. Right. And so it's important for people to realize there is hope. I, I've had, I bet I've had over a thousand people. I've done probably 7,500 consults in the last 12 years. And I've had 7,500 people say one phrase, thank you for giving me hope. Because mm. once people realize that there's a whole other way of seeing the problem, that this is a this is a fixable problem, this is a dietary problem, it's not a some off-planet, you know, distortion of reality problem. The, the the weight lifts off people's shoulders. Right. I have I uh, the people who are fascinating to work with are people who are diabetic, who've been. I have a question around that because okay, but we've got type one and type two. So right. are you seeing results only with type two, or are you seeing changes with type one diabetics as well? Both, both, both. Okay, and, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, that's. I think it's 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 paradigm busting again. Yes. And. The thing is, people with diabetes live in constant fear of their blood sugar. I've had world-renowned scientists who have diabetes. I've, I've been in their home, and I've, I've said, why am I here? And this one guy said, he said, because I want you to cure me of diabetes. And I was sort of humbled. I said, well, I'll do my best. And I've been working with him for about five or six years now. And he's, he's not off all of his medications. He's off of most of his medications. He's no, no longer takes insulin. And for the first time in his life, for the first time since he was, he was born in India, went to IIT. That means he's really smart. He got his bachelor's and master's there. And then got his doctorate at Hopkins in theoretical chemistry mm. which is a scary subject i used you, to theoretical chem that was my favorite that was my favorite <laughs> okay. so you, you and swami can geek out i couldn't do it now i couldn't do it now back then i could <laughs> no this this guy's he's just so much fun to be with but but the point is he got he got um fatty liver disease when he was 30 years old wow mm -hmm. and they cured the fatty liver disease and then he developed diabetes oh. so since, type one diabetes don't type two Type two, okay, yeah. type two, and he's been um, he's been on medication for the better part of forty years, right? And now he's taking he's doing the RCP, he's doing the Recuperate supplement, taking as many as five a day, which is that's a, a dose. But he said, Morley, for the first time in my adult life, I have control over my life. He has felt out of control. And when does stress begin for people with high IQ? Yeah. When they lose control. Mm -hmm. Because people who are high IQ are control freaks. And we love complexity, right? Mm -hmm. and, and now he's being blown away by the fact that there's a simple solution and he's back in control. Mm -hmm. That's it's fascinating. Okay. And again, I, I think I would caution the listeners that that as powerful and as important as copper is, it's not a panacea in and of itself. And what we'll get to in subsequent conversations, I'm sure, is the emotional side of it. Because that's really where the where the um, rubber hits the road. Because when I started this work back in 2010, I was strictly Newtonian. 
oh, you're missing minerals and take this and this and this and you'll be fine. And I'd say I've come full circle and now I'm totally quantum. And the, the field that no one wants to deal with is their emotional trauma. And we all have boogeymen, which create fear in our psyche. And the fear causes us to be magnets for iron. So that's a, it's an important nuance that we'll get into in subsequent conversations. But people need to know that the the what's physical affects emotion and what's emotion affects physical. And they are a Mobius that are going back and forth constantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I often, when I used to work with people nutritionally, I used to say, you need to go see my husband first and, and release some stuff because you're not even going to do this right now because you, there's so many blocks and so many, yeah, so much in there that you just won't even do it. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And there, I've got, I've got clients who put off dealing with the emotions for four or five years. When did they start to recover? After they dealt with their emotions. Yeah. So, so they were in limbo for about four years and then they, they dumped their fears and then they started to take off. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Oh. Pretty amazing. It, it, it absolutely is amazing. Right. It really is. So you've got your whole root cause protocol. So it's called RCP, guys. If you want to know root rcp123.org, go there. Morley is super generous. You can download the whole protocol for free. Print it out. I've got that. I did that before I was as I was waiting for the book. There's all sorts of resources there. There's supplement suggestions there. But Morley, your whole thing is centered around how to support the bioavailability of copper, right? It's not just about, okay, take this copper su supplement or eat this food and be done. It, there's there's stops and there's starts and they're That's all cool. contributing to that. And so a couple of things that really I've been doing, I have to say, I've been doing most of it. I went from vegan, vegetarian for almost 20 years to basically eating Western price type way of eating about okay. 12 years ago. Yeah. But I did cheap out on a couple of things lately because I'm like, oh, for the whole family, I went to ascorbic acid or, or ascorbate rather right. than the whole food vitamin C I used to do because it was just more cost effective and easier to get a higher dose and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and there's a few things like I'd look into, like now you look at the powders, there's citric acid in everything. There's citric acid in everything. I never That's had right. magnesium citrate, but I've had magnesium malate for years. But so there's gonna there's things in there that are gonna surprise people. So I don't know how where we want to go with this right now, but where do you want to go with this? How do we how do we talk? Like there starts, there stops. There's the, the, I think there's a bigger picture of how important right. the copper is and the the detriment of the excess iron. And one question is quickly because there's going to be celiacs listening to this. They're going to say, Morley, I'm deficient in iron. That's like a key celiac thing. Like how much does this depend on? how your digestive system is working and your capacity to actually even absorb in the digestive tract. Yeah, no, that's a good one. So um, folks, there's a wide spectrum of disorders that deal with our digestion. And every person I've ever worked with, whether they have celiac, Crohn's, irritable bowel, SIBO, whatever, Guess what's lingering in the background? An emotional issue. Mm. There's something they can't stomach. Every 100% of the people, there's, a, there's an emotional trigger. And what's fascinating, I, I learned this just a couple of years ago. Um, 
Crohn's disease, a uh, real serious condition, you know, it's in a different part of the of the intestine than, than celiac. But um, animals, did you know that animals can get Crohn's disease too? Oh, yes. I, I, I've i heard you talk about this. So yes, it's fascinating. Please. Only because... Yeah, but, you. <laughs> but, but, it, but they don't call it Crohn's disease with veterinarians. It's called Jonas disease, J-O-H-N-S-E-S, Jonas disease. And there's only one cure for Jonas disease. It's a hundred percent identical to Crohn's disease. And the cure for Jonas, Jones disease is copper. Every veterinarian knows it. And so people who have these many different uh, disorders or symptoms of, of digestive distress, they have iron that's stuck in the tissue that can't be recycled. Now here's, here's the deal. The process of digesting iron, it's a two-step process. Iron, the, 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 the lining of the intestine has cells called enterocytes. Uh, the most important section would be the duodenum, which is just past the stomach, but, but they're throughout the intestine. And the enterocytes, that's where food and minerals and substances come into, they enter the the, the cell there um and that's a good thing they, they get into the cell but and and picture this as an enterocyte with the villi my hand right mm -hmm. and and so then the iron gets into the cell but it's got to get out of the cell here and get into the bloodstream down here mm -hmm. really really important mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> iron gets in gets stuck because there's a doorway here at the enterocyte, and it's true for many different cells, but it's called ferroportin, iron doorway, ferro, iron, portin, doorway. Mm -hmm. well, the ferroportin doorway here at the, at the enterocyte is run by a copper doorman, and copper opens up the door to let the iron out, let the iron into the circulation so that it can go to the liver and go to the bone marrow, depending upon where it's needed. Real important step. Well, here's the, here's the other part. So let, now we've got two enterocytes, right? The villi, they're working. Why does the villi get shorter? Because of iron accumulation. That's, that's what causes them to get nubby. That's important. No. But, but there's also something that happens. The villi, or excuse me, the enterocytes need to be together. You don't, you don't want gaps, right? Gaps are a bad thing. Well, what holds them together? Energy. Because if there's if there's a gap, well, then the proteins can go right into the bloodstream. That's a bad thing. And what keeps the enterocytes together is energy production in the respective enterocytes. And, and what fuels that energy is copper. What disrupts that energy is iron pulls the enterocytes apart. They don't function right. Food starts to get into the bloodstream and then we get an allergic reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, we're back to copper and iron at the factory. And it's just, people didn't realize that these two minerals, the general and the, and the grunt, are duking it out all over the body. And so someone with celiac 
they'll they'll be convinced that it's it's a gluten sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I have full blown celiac clients can fly to Europe, and they can eat German bread, Italian bread, French bread, right, and then they fly back home and they can't eat our bread. Why? Because the our bread. I was going to say modern, but our our bread here in the states and here in North America is is blessed with four sprays of glyphosate and iron filings in the flour. And no one's thinking about that. No one's thinking about what iron filings do inside the enterocytes, which is create absolute chaos. Because the body, again, iron is not our friend. Iron is the master pro-oxidant on planet Earth. What's the second most reactive element on planet Earth? It's called oxygen. Fluorine gas is number one. Oxygen is number two. Ozone is number three. These are the three most reactive species on the planet. And so people need to know that this iron thingy and this oxygen thingy have a magnetic attraction for each other. And there's only one element on the planet, one element that can regulate them both at the same time. And it's called copper. And it's one enzyme that can keep iron and oxygen in proper regulation, have them play nice together without creating static. I don't I think that should be something that's taught in doctor school. What do you think? I think so. But it's not. Yeah. It's not. And so I've actually vowed that I'm going to create a three-day medical school. <laughs> so day one, day one is learn how to measure minerals. Day two, learn how to correct mineral imbalances. And day three, learn how to play golf. <laughs> it's no more complicated than that. Re- I mean, it's like people don't want to hear that. Because many people have struggled for years, much of their life, trapped in a series of symptoms that they didn't realize were being hijacked by a dysfunctional food system and farming system. And made worse by misinformation and misdirection. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. And and the, and the medications we're exposed to are just, <clears throat> they're not our friend, unfortunately. So what are all the things that are taking away from people's copper status? How much time? <laughs> In a nutshell. Um, the big three that I encourage people to be careful of would be stay away from glyphosate, any anything GMO. Yeah. You've got to really be vigilant about that. Stay away from high fructose feeding. Be careful of the drinks you're drinking. Be careful of the foods you're eating. Fructose is really a poison. Couldn't can't stress that enough. And the third would be um, fourth generation antibiotics like Cipro. Yeah. Uh, these are these are fluoroquinolones. They're fluoride activated, and they're absolutely toxic to the body because they suck magnesium and copper out of our tissue. Um, um, you know, Dr. Liz when she was in Chicago, one of her clients was a a cyclist. And he used to hang out with a guy named Lance Armstrong in the tour, tour de France. This guy was right there with Lance. Mm -hmm. Sick, got Cipro, ripped his Achilles tendon and had to leave the tour. 
never to go back to biking again. Yeah. So that's a that's a dramatic story of one, but it, I've heard from many other people that they've had similar situations. Um, the thing that people need to know is that um, sugar, excess sugar, is not our friend. Excess sugar in our diet, which is pretty prevalent around the world, but certainly here in North America, excess sugar is another agent to blow up ceruloplasmin. And we don't think about, <clears throat> let's put it into context. Um, I have ancestors who were colonials here in, in North America. And uh, going back as far as the 1600s, which means they were thieves and vagabonds, right? And they were the first <laughs> ones. Over. But um, they had, the average colonial back in the 1700s had three pounds of granulated sugar cane per year. That was the average consumption of granulated sugar cane, right? Yeah. Today, the average North American has over 250 pounds mm -hmm. of sweeteners that run the gamut from artificial to fructose yeah. and everything in between. <clears throat> and they're very toxic to the body. And they what they do is they blow up the ceruloplasmin protein, copper leaks out, gets grabbed by something else, it's not as effective, and then you lose the regulation of iron and oxygen. And then you rust from the inside out. Exactly. That's Holy absolutely yeah. right. And, <clears throat> so sugar is not our friend. We have citric acid, which you mentioned. It's, a, it's called an endogenous inhibitor of ceruloplasmin. That means it's it's a naturally occurring within. It's it's not good for the uh, the system, and so it's all over the food system. Anyone who goes to donate blood, you always want to do a gravity driven blood donation. Don't ever do a power red. Don't ever do platelets. Don't ever don't ever do plasma, because with those last three, your blood is being run through a machine. And what are they putting in the machine in, in, back in the blood? Uh, they put citrate in. Yeah, yeah. it's everywhere. It's everywhere. everywhere. When everywhere. you start looking at it, it's freaking everywhere. Even in all these supplements that people are, are taking that they think they're doing their body good. So what are people consuming day to day that they think is helping them, but it's actually causing harm? Yeah, they don't, they don't know about it. You alluded to it at the beginning of the conversation. Um, back in 2020, people started taking what's called a COVID cocktail, which is ascorbic acid, vitamin D, and zinc. Huge. Well, people don't know that that's the perfect triad to destroy the bioavailability of copper. Zinc blocks copper uptake in the body. Ascorbic acid blows up ceruloplasmin, proven, known since 1948, well-documented in that initial article. And, and zinc, oh my gosh, George Brewer at the University of Michigan spent 15 years, 1978 to, to uh, 1993, 15 years, that's a long time. He had grants, he had, he had funding for 15 years of research to study how zinc blocks copper in the body for Wilson's disease. All right, so Wilson's disease is, that's when you do actually accumulate copper? Because mm -hmm. there's what are called copper pumps, yeah. There's, there's two of them. Yeah. And these copper pumps really run on retinoic acid, which is a derivative 
of retinol, which is retinol is real animal fat. It's fat is short for from animal tissue. <laughs> oil is from the land, right? It's different. Uh, it's a seed oil, it's not your friend, despite all of the promotion otherwise. But the but the important thing is um the people don't realize that they were being corralled into a cocktail that was destroying their um, copper. And what's fascinating is that there's a um, chiropractor here in the States, name is uh, Brian Artis, mm -hmm. who was very flamboyant and um, took a lot of arrows when he revealed that there was venom involved in this whole process back in, in 2020. And what's coming to light is that, guess what venom does? Venom steals copper. Guess what activates venom in the body? It's called zinc. Is it, so isn't he like, so many people that are like renegade health experts are still recommending these things. They're still recommending zinc, right? I, That's like, it's, 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 and I have, I have a growing body of practitioners who are speaking with me regularly to really understand this so they can begin to modify their positions. And I give Brian high marks for his devotion to really understanding this. Because I think he was one of the ones that was selling a bunch of supplements and stuff. So does Wilson's yeah. disease actually exist or is that a retinol deficiency? A great question. Um, it's one in 40,000. Here in the States, there's 7,500 people have Wilson's disease. We have 350 million people here in uh the good old, good old U.S. of A. Uh, I don't know what the rate would be in, in the same rate in Canada, but I'm sure it's a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, but but the thing is, um, Svetlana Lutsenko that I mentioned previously, she did a very important study in 2015 where she used a synthetic form of retinol mm. and eliminated Wilson's disease. I'll let you connect the dots. And sorry, what did you say? She used a synthetic form and what? She, she used a synthetic form of retinol right. and she stopped Wilson's disease. Okay. Okay. And so I think from what people understand, which we haven't actually addressed is right. that as far as you can tell, the only mechanism by which copper is taken into the cerebroplasmin is via retinol, which I find very interesting considering there's such a massive push to save the world with vegan and vegetarian <laughs> diets. Right. It's like, hmm. no, it's once you understand the the biochemistry and the metabolism of copper, none of the principles of recommended nutrition make any sense at all. And so <clears throat> all of this nonsense started when uh, Eisenhower had his first heart attack in, in September of 1955. And it was first of eight heart attacks, by the way. Yeah. And he was told to, to go on a low-fat diet to get rid of the cholesterol. And, and that was the work of Ansel Keys, famous physiologist from the States. The, the K-rations that fed the troops during the Second World War were named in his honor, K-rations for Keys. Mm. And so people, they, they deferred to this guy. It was, a, it was a big, big deal out of the University of Minnesota. What most people don't know is he had a... PhD, not just in physiology, but he had a PhD in, in oceanography 
from Cambridge. I don't know. Last time I checked, that's a pretty good school. Mm. Last time I checked, there's minerals in the ocean, right? Oceanography. You'd have to be exposed to minerals. And it's like, this guy didn't know what he was. I mean, it's like, it's really scary what he did. And so he put everyone on a low fat diet. And what people didn't realize is that cholesterol and retinol hang out together. So suddenly everyone's put on a low retinol diet. And then you lost the ability to regulate copper at that point. And right. that didn't really come to light until 30 years. 1987 is when Cousins and Barber brought to light the fact that retinol was critical as a catalyst to make the ATP7A, the Menke's disease, or Menke's gene, and ATP7B, the Wilson's gene. Those two genes need retinol to do their work to load copper into their respective uh, enzymes. Well, this is a major big deal. And you take retinol. I'm not, I spent over 10 years uh, doing my research in Starbucks early in the morning, and I would listen to people order their skinny lattes left and right. Always a skinny latte. Yeah. You you I'll give you I'll give you a hundred dollars, Sasha, for every jar of full fat yogurt you can find in Calgary. Oh, well, we have them. We have them. We have them. It's we hard to find them, though, isn't it? Places, but we've got some we've got some good nutritional sources here, I have to say. We've got That's some awesome. making amazing ghee. We've got amazing farmers, we've got amazing people That's with awareness beautiful. that are moving towards really fortifying our food system, but we're going private, right? We have to go to direct to these people yeah, for our right. dairy and our beef and our eggs right. and our everything. But it's pretty, it's I've connected with some pretty amazing people around that here. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's encouraging. That's exciting. It's like, does it need to be that difficult? But it is. And that's just the life. That's the world we live in now. And so our ancestors didn't grow up with that. Our ancestors had mainstream access to to real food. Right. We have to be very selective right. and, very. and do tons of research before yeah. we engage in the uh, acquisition. But that's why I love the simplicity of saying, okay, if you have to pick one overarching dietary dogma perhaps to follow, go look at the Weston Price Foundation. I think Absolutely. with that... Yeah you're going to cover so many of the bases and get the natural sources of copper, which, right. I mean, there's so many things still to talk about. And I want to talk about a couple of things that you offer, but also like in subsequent talks, people, we're going to talk about thyroid. We're going to talk about metabolism. Like I want to talk about weight loss and skincare. Cause like, seriously, my skin is changing. I have been doing, I'm kind of replicating Morley has a supplement that he offers and I'm kind of replicating my, I'm taking a handful of beef liver capsules and as I, as in the winter, I'll cook more liver, so I won't take it as a capsule, but boron and copper, bisglycinate and magnesium, which I have to do my magnesium. I've been taking mag malate. If I were to like miss one supplement on the planet, if it was unavailable, it'd be magnesium malate. That is my magnesium. Um, and trace minerals all day, but I kind of replicate that. And I've been doing that for two weeks now, doing your adrenal tonic and I add camu camu powder into it okay. as well. And I have to say the first week is like, yeah, yeah fine. I, I feel good as it is. doesn't really, But the second week is like, oh, it's like, it's like I've got this energy moving up in me now. It's like my eyes are open wider. It's like my skin is moving up. Somebody commented yesterday, like, what are you doing? You look so, what's going on? And it's feeling in the second weekend. 
I'm noticing. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I, I mean, I, I've heard that from many, many people. And I think what's important is you're very open to new information. You have a, I would assume, you have an unswerving belief in your body's ability to okay. heal itself. Very much so. Which is really important. That's the last question everyone asks me in a consult is how long is it going to take? And my response 100% of the time is how long do you want it to take? And I'm not being devilish or, or playful. I'm, I'm just, I want to know how, how committed are you? And right. how much do you really believe in your body's natural ability? And, and people run the gamut. There's some people who are like, I, I don't believe in my body's ability. I've been, I've been sick too long to, I can't wait to get the right nutrients because I believe it's able. Right. It, it just was missing the, the building parts. So I think you're, you're experiencing a response to the right nutrients maybe in the right dosing. And maybe over the course of our conversations, I'll get you, I've, I've cut my teeth on this work around magnesium. Yes, the magnesium took, man, right? You are. Right. And it took me five years to realize what was driving the magnesium burn rate. That's a, a fancy way of saying magnesium deficiency. Mm -hmm. The stress of, of your life Again, we talked about acute stress, burns through magnesium. What's the biggest stressor on planet Earth? It's called oxidative stress. There's that oxygen thingy playing with that iron thingy. And together they create what's called oxidative stress. And who keeps them from doing that? It's called copper. So if you want to manage your magnesium, you've got to uh, run with copper to regulate the iron to prevent the accelerated magnesium loss. And we'll have a chance to kick that tire and, and make sure people understand that because it really changes the whole paradigm of how do I stay in balance? How do I maintain my equilibrium? Because that's really what it comes down to. You, you're feeling better now. And as the longer you feel better, then you're going to start looking over your shoulder. Well, what, what's going to take me out of balance? And you're, you're going to want to find what's the, what's the, the core that's going to keep me there. And I think people will be pleasantly surprised. It's not a lot. And as you noted, there's stops and starts. And we'll talk about those maybe in the next next chat. But I think the stops are going to surprise people. The starts, I think people will be open to it. And I'm 100% on board with you about Weston A. Price. I think he was a genius. And if he'd had a few more years, he probably would have discovered copper. I'm convinced of it. And the only caveat I put is that don't assume that the form of cod liver oil that they promote is the best because they don't think it is. And so we've got to be really careful. We're very prescriptive within the root cause protocol about what are the right forms of these nutrients. And we'll have a chance to, to dig into that as well in our next conversation. Yeah, because we got to cover, like, we got to cover all the, the nutrients and the minerals and the stars and stuff. We got to talk about parasites. Parasites, I am dealing with people like filling toilet bowls of worms right now. And a friend of mine who is getting into, you know, homesteading, and I was telling her about that, and we're big both into the research and everything, and she's been dealing with parasites for a while, but she's got goats. She yep. just got goats. And I'm telling her right. copper and parasites. She's like, oh my God, that's so interesting because I have to feed them these copper rations. And twice a year, I have to give them this big bolus of copper. Otherwise they get the parasites. So, and there's right. there's that. And then there's the thyroid where everybody looks at 
it's like there, there's so much higher upstream that we have to go and then everything will seem to take care of itself. But I have one question and then I know why you have to go. So we have to, so you, you said a really interesting little factoid because I've listened to so many of your interviews and there's all a lot, a lot of the same stuff, but then there's, there's always these little interesting tidbits that are sprinkled and they're not always said in the, all the interviews. One was about the black hair. And so for me, the black hair, you're saying that people with black hair need six times as much copper right. and that they used to have a black sheep in the flock and then they knew when to change pastures when their fur, their, their wool started to change color, which makes total sense. So I'm wondering, in these countries where people have black hair, like in Asian countries, in India, mm -hmm. do they have a natural uh, abundance of foods that are higher in copper? Because otherwise I would think they'd be really great test subjects to really see how profound the deficiencies of copper would be on their health. Like you'd have whole populations with them. Historically, yeah, absolutely. But, but what's happened to India has been drowned in, in glyphosate. Glyphosate, I know. So now are we seeing a really big uptake in the results of copper deficiency? Oh my gosh, the, the, the rate of liver disease worldwide is off the charts, heart disease, off the charts, neurodegeneration, cancer. And this was all pre-2020. I mean, it's everything changed with 2020. And um, a very famous uh, copper researcher named uh, Leslie Clavet, it's a guy, he's an MD, PhD. Um, he wrote a very important article in 1986 uh, about he was really focusing on uh, copper deficiency and uh, high sugar intake, and he made an observation that people with copper deficiency die suddenly. So this was in 1986 when he made that comment. In 2002, he wrote an article, very important article, where he identified 80 anatomical chemical and physiological defects in a copper deficient heart. He was a cardiologist. That was his area of focus. So we got 1986, 2002, and what happened in 2022? Mm. People started to die suddenly of myocarditis. Mm. So what, it didn't come from Mars, folks. It came from copper deficient bodies. But there's also a lot of poison thrown in the mix too. That is. Doesn't matter. The poisons affect the copper status. As long as the heart can make energy, it's going to stay beating. When it stops making energy, it's over. So when somebody's yeah. done this to themselves and put something in their arm, is that one of, is one of the first things that you're saying to help restore their health and to mitigate, you know, side effects or sudden death is to bring mm -hmm. in the Bioavailable absolutely no no hands down absolutely and so again i renamed what COVID stands for cov coppers vanished id irons dysregulated it is not complicated you need to act on those statements and just surrender to the wisdom of your body to know how to sort it out does copper uh deficiency cause blood clots Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The platelet function is completely different in copper deficiency. The, the platelets need energy. 
The platelets need to make energy. When they can't make energy, they stick together. They accumulate. Boom. There are two clotting factors, uh, factor five and factor eight. They're in Roman numerals. Fact, clotting factor five and clotting factor eight are homologous, similar to ceruloplasmin. They're missing in a, a body that is uh, dealing with clots. Mm. So it's there's there's extensive research around this the whole, the whole area of microcirculation which nobody thinks about when the capillaries get down so small and on one side they're an artery on the other side they're a vein yeah well that's that's the domain of copper and and microcirculation is ruled by copper status nobody's thinking about that well that's interesting because I, I i had this supplement that's amazing for microcirculation but that has been one of my things is microcirculation every once in a while it goes off and it's interesting because i used to okay folks we're gonna we're gonna finish this soon but we're, we're, we're gonna have to talk about the nutrition we're gonna have to talk about like i said parasites and hormones and stuff but there's one thing that you recommend is blood donation which i used to do regularly when i was younger i have no desire to go to any institution that's going to put a needle in me right now unless i can find it privately to do that because that's what you recommend is right blood donation to get rid of that excess Right. iron on top of regulating it with copper said what i'm wondering though if it's stored in the tissues is there some kind of an e equilibrium that's just because if it's not in the blood and it looks like it's low in the blood how do we dump iron when it's low in the blood if it's actually stored in the tissues is there there's an equilibrium a, that's getting shifted right, because of that question. so there's a hormone called erythropoietin epo it's what rules athletics because athletes want more red blood cells, so they have more oxygen, so they get more bling on the winter circle. Right. So EPO has two signals. It tells the bone marrow, we need more red blood cells. Let's pick up the pace. And the other signal is tells the tissue, let go of the iron. We need it in the bone marrow. Okay. And so it releases it. And so the, the body is able to, again, self-regulate EPO needs a signal saying it's okay. EPO doesn't work unless it's activated. Right. And that means it's got to have copper to activate the EPO to make sure that the system's working right. It's, you know, it, it, it can appear overwhelming. It's not. Just take copper. Yeah. Make sure you've got well, copper. Really, it's just the basic. Bioavailable yeah. copper. Don't just take copper, people. Bioavailable right. copper. We're going to talk about that. Come talk to me at Lotus Herbal Health. I'll get you, I'll get you set up there too. Um, okay. So I know you got to go. So I really appreciate this guys. Stay tuned for the next two interviews. Cause we're going to talk about more nutrition. We're going to talk about a lot of the problems that you're dealing with, whether it be your thyroid or the big C or your pain and inflammation, gut problems, like all this stuff. If you're not producing energy, if you're not activating the enzymes that are allowing for the reaction to take place, then it's not happening. It's not mm -hmm. happening. It really makes sense. So thank you, Morley. There's like there's some people I would tell my friends, oh yeah, we're gonna do three interviews. They're like, what? Why would you need it's like because there's so much to talk about? So because literally I still I have pages of stuff. <laughs> so uh hopefully we've checked off some of your items. Oh, we've yeah. definitely checked off some of the items, but there's still more. There's still more. Okay, sure. so Thanks, guys. I hope you really enjoyed that. Come see me at Lotus, Lotus Herbal Health if you want to learn more. If you're here in Calgary, I'd love to talk about it because I'm getting very excited about this. And the more people get onto this, the more that we take control of our health and own it, 
the better off we're going to be, the better off our kids are going to be, because we got to be strong for the next generation, because, you know, there's problems afoot if we don't. So thank you, Morley. I super appreciate your time. You guys share this podcast if you found it interesting and helpful. And I look forward to sharing more with you on the next one. 